We're going to continue through the Gospel of Matthew, so take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. We have been journeying through the Gospel of Matthew, and some of you might be noticing, hey, we're jumping over a section in chapter 12. Wait a second. Don't worry. Hey, Pastor Jared's going to come back and cover the rest of chapter 12, so we're going to spend our time in Matthew chapter 13, and the title of the message this morning is The Purpose of Parables. The Purpose of Parables. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing and listening. Have you ever tried to send a text or do something on your phone while someone else is trying to speak to you? So I know that this is probably played out, this scenario is probably played out in your home. Okay, so husbands, you are reading an article, you're sending a text, and your wife says, hey, I need to tell you something really important. So I need your eyes up here, I need, I need you to focus okay, so that you can get all the details. So at this point, we have a couple options. Okay? You can, option one, set your phone down, look at your wife, look at your spouse and say, hey, I am listening. Pull out your notepad. I'm going to write it all down. I'm not going to miss anything, okay? Or we can do what I think the majority of us try to do is the multitask, okay? I'm going to continue to try to type this text, continue uh, to read this article while my wife tells me to do something. So we're over here, and we say, okay, go ahead. You got it. And so we're, we're reading away, and she says, hey, I have to work late today, so I need you to get dinner ready for the kids and take them to practice. So Preheat the oven, 425, put it in there, this amount of time. They need to eat by then so that they can get to practice by then. You got that? Mm-hmm, yep, totally good, good. She's out the door, you finish your article, that was a great read. I think she told me something important, but I have no idea what she just told me to do. And so we can either call her and say, hey, I wasn't listening to a word you just said. We're not going to do that, though, Okay. We're just going to fake it till we make it, right? We are just going to make it up. So hopefully dinner is edible and the kids get to practice on time. But there's a difference between hearing and listening. And you teenagers in the room, I'm sure that never happens with you either. You're always listening to your parents and never on your phone when they're telling you to do something, right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. In our passage this morning... Uh, it, deals, it deals with hearing and seeing, but not physically hearing and seeing, but a spiritual hearing and a spiritual sight. Over the course of the last two chapters, a storm has been brewing among Jesus and the religious leaders. They have resisted Jesus. They've accused him of wrongdoing and law-breaking. They even, at the end of chapter 12, demanded that he do a sign to prove that he is really who he says he is. As if Jesus had not already done enough to this point to show that he is the true son of God, that he is the Messiah. And so he, this is the point, yet all the tension that's surrounding Jesus and the religious leaders, the, the crowds still want to follow him. They still want to be around Jesus because they might hear something. Or they might see something. But in our passage today, the crowds that gather to listen to Jesus find out that they might not actually be able to hear as they thought they could hear. They might not be actually able to see as they thought they could see. 
And this brings us to the main point of our text today is that spiritually open eyes and ears are gifts from God that lead to believing, fertile, fruit-producing hearts. Spiritually open eyes and ears are gifts from God that lead to believing, fertile, fruit-producing hearts. Jesus is going to be speaking to the people in a new way, but with the same message that he's been proclaiming from the beginning of his ministry, which is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And this morning, that message remains the same, and it still demands a response. And so the question for us to wrestle with this morning is, do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? So let's begin reading in our passage, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 1. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen." Spiritually open eyes and ears are gifts from God that lead to believing, fertile, fruit-producing hearts. Jesus, sitting on the boat, begins to speak to the people, and we discover his method of teaching. Jesus' method, parables. He's going to use parables. This is the first parable that we come across in the Gospel of Matthew. So we have to ask, what is a parable? A parable is a practical story meant to communicate spiritual truth. A practical story meant to communicate spiritual truth. And the root of the word parable means to come alongside. And so Jesus used parables to come alongside his teaching ministry, his preaching ministry. And so this morning, I want you to imagine that you are among the crowds. Jesus is out in the water sitting on a boat You have traveled maybe a long distance to come and hear a word from Jesus. You've been looking forward to seeing what he's going to do or hearing what he's going to say. And you arrive and he begins to teach. And he starts talking about farming and soil and seeds. And then he gets to the end and says, hey, if you have ears, you better listen. What's going on? Imagine the crowds looking around at each other and saying, we came to hear a word from Jesus and he's telling us about farming? This was the wrong day to pick to come to hear Jesus. What's going on? We, we, we know all about farming. We do it every single day. So what is Jesus doing? The people heard his words, but were they listening? Were they understanding? And so there's no doubt that this short parable caused some confusion among the people because in the very next verse we find the disciples asking a question. So let's pick up in verse 10 of our text. 
Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see but didn't see them, to hear the things you hear but didn't hear them. The disciples want to know why Jesus is using parables. Jesus, why are you making it difficult for people to understand your teachings? Why would you not be clear and to the point with all of these crowds? This seems like a strange way for you to gain more followers, Jesus. And with his answer, we find out his reasoning. Jesus' reasoning is fulfillment. Fulfillment. Jesus answers the disciples. He says, In verse 11, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Jesus is making a clear distinction between two groups of people. One group has been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven while the other group has not been given these secrets. So who are the people in these two groups? Who has been given the secrets and who doesn't have the secrets? Jesus gives us his answer by taking the crowd, taking the disciples, but also taking us back to Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is standing in the throne room of the Lord, And all that Isaiah can say because of this experience is, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Isaiah is then cleansed. His sins are atoned for. And the Lord asks, Who should I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. And this is often where we stop reading Isaiah 6. And we stop teaching on Isaiah 6. But if you continue to read, we find out what the Lord sends Isaiah to preach. We find out what the Lord commissions Isaiah to proclaim. And these are the words that the Lord sends Isaiah out with. Keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make the minds of these people dull, deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, understand with their minds, turn back and be healed. 
Isaiah is commissioned to go proclaim a message to a people that will never hear, they will never see, they will never respond in repentance and belief, they will never understand. And this is being fulfilled in the hearts of the Pharisees as Jesus is speaking. It's happening among the the hearts of the people in the crowd. But yet if you continue to finish out Isaiah chapter 6, we find that the Lord has a promise. He says, I promise that there will be a remnant. There will be a small group of people who do have eyes to see, who do have ears to hear, who will respond in faith. And what an encouragement that the Lord in his love for us says that there will be people who say yes to the Lord. This is a good thing, and this is being fulfilled in the hearts of the disciples. Look at verse 16. Jesus tells the disciples, Blessed are your eyes because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. These disciples were part of the small few that would be reveal the kingdom of God. They would believe in Jesus. Even in Isaiah chapter 6, at the very end, we see a picture of the coming Jesus the holy seed that will rise up from the stump of Israel. And Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the one who has eyes to see and ears to hear and know the Father. The disciples have been brought into the kingdom. They have been given the secrets while the Pharisees and the crowds had not. And you might be sitting here thinking this morning to yourself, that's not fair. That's not fair. Why would some have the gift of open eyes? Why would some be given that gift and others not? And I think this is a valid question and one that we need to wrestle with as a people this morning from our text. Why are some people given the secrets of the kingdom while others are not? First off, we need to state that it's not an issue of fairness. It's not an issue of fairness because if we this morning really wanted what was fair, no one would receive the gift of salvation. No one would have open eyes and ears to see and hear. Because apart from the work of Christ in our lives, we are dead in our sins. Just as the Apostle Paul writes that apart from Jesus, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. The physically dead cannot see They cannot hear, but nor can the spiritually dead. They cannot see, they cannot hear. And so the disciples aren't better than the Pharisees. The disciples aren't better than the crowds. No one deserves the gift. But let's think for a moment about these groups of people, the disciples, the crowds, the Pharisees, throughout the Gospel of Matthew to this point. All of these people have heard Multiple times Jesus proclaimed the gospel. They have all heard, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. All of these people have seen the miracles on display of Jesus. They've seen the healings. They've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They've seen him open eyes of the blind and make the lame walk. They've seen these things with their eyes. And they've also sat under the teaching of Jesus where he has opened up the Old Testament and say, these prophecies are fulfilled in me. 
I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come to save you from your sins. Yet, some believe and accept Jesus while others resist and reject him. But this isn't anything different than what we've seen all throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Think all the way back to the birth of Jesus. When Jesus was born, the wise men sought to to know Jesus, to find him. Herod rejected Jesus, and the religious leaders were indifferent towards him. But now we find that they are hardened towards him. They've resisted. They've rejected Jesus. Some will respond with acceptance, while others respond with rejection. But this also leads into our second answer to the question, why do some have the gift? Why are others given the gift, and why do some not receive the gift? The answer is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. His wisdom is infinite while ours is finite. His strength is unmatched while ours is limited. His mercy and his love are never ending while ours is often un or ours is often conditional. In his sovereignty the Lord gives the gift. In Deuteronomy 29:4 Moses says to the people, "The Lord has not given you a mind to understand." eyes to see or ears to hear. But as we continue through the Old Testament, we come to Ezekiel 36, where the prophet says that the Lord will give a gift. He writes, I, God, will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. God gives the gift. He opens the eyes. He opens the ears. And so I don't want you to sit here this morning and say, well, I don't like that. I don't like that. It's not fair. Instead this morning, would you see the mercy of God and display that you are here for a reason? You are hearing the gospel proclaimed right now that you were a people once dead in your sins. But Because of his great love for us, God made a way for us to be saved by sending Jesus to live the perfect life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve because of our sin, to bear the wrath of God on the cross so that it would not have to be poured out upon us. He was buried, but then he rose again, showing that he alone is victorious over sin and death. And today the invitation is extended to you Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So accept the gift. Accept the gift. The purpose of parables was to guide and encourage, to reveal to some, but to conceal spiritual truth from others because they had continually hardened their hearts towards Jesus. And this is where we find Jesus' explanation. Jesus' explanation, explanation, genuine salvation. There will be a variety of responses to the proclaimed gospel. And that is what Jesus is communicating to his disciples here in the last section of our text. Let's pick up together in verse 18. Jesus says, So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the words about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. 
This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Jesus says that the sower is the Lord and the seed is the word. The seed is the gospel. And there's no problem with the sower or with the seed. The issue lies with the soils. The issue lies with the heart of people. And the first response to the gospel news that we find is the seed thrown along the path. This seed is representative of the people who hear the gospel news and it bounces off their hardened heart and they reject it. The evil one comes and snatches it away. And this is what we've seen all throughout the book of Acts. As the apostles go out and proclaim the gospel, many, many, many people resist and reject and ridicule the apostles for the good news. But really, they're ridiculing Jesus. But the second response to the gospel is the seed that falls upon the rocky ground. These are the people who receive the gospel immediately with joy, but as soon as difficulty and distress and persecution comes, they they say, I don't want this anymore. Or maybe it's the the one who who says, I want to follow Jesus, but in their heart they know it's not really a truthful statement. Or maybe they say, I want to follow Jesus, but then when they get home, their family or their friends say, no, don't follow Jesus. It's not worth it. Or culture says, don't follow Jesus. It's so narrow-minded of you. There's got to be other ways. Don't just pick one. Don't believe in Jesus. And so they say, this is not what I signed up for. I don't want this anymore. And the Apostle John warns us of this. As he writes 1 John chapter 2, he warns of these false teachers who were in this church and they they, they were among the people, and then they began to proclaim a different gospel. And this is what John says, They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged with us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. Hear me this morning. Genuine salvation results in perseverance until the end. You cannot lose your salvation if you are truly saved. And if your salvation you've received is genuine then the grace of God will carry you until that day either Jesus comes back or he calls you home. He will help you endure. But the third response to the gospel that we find this morning is a seed thrown upon the thorns. These are the people who are weighing the cost of following Jesus with surrendering everything that they have. Think of the rich young ruler who goes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus says, Leave everything behind and follow after me. And the man walks away sorrowful. Think of Demas, one of Paul's ministry partners, who when Paul is writing to Timothy, says that Demas has deserted me because he loved this present world. 
Think of Judas, one of Jesus' own 12 disciples, who instead of honoring and being faithful to his master, betrays his master for money. Each of these individuals sought after what the world had to offer them instead of the life and the hope and the joy that Jesus was offering to them in the gospel, in following after him. This is why John, again, warns us in 1 John 2, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But the final response to the gospel news is the seed thrown upon the good ground. These are the the people who have been given the gift. They have eyes to see. They have ears to hear. Their hearts are softened and prepared to receive the word. Their salvation is genuine and the sanctifying work of the Spirit is evident in their life because of the fruit that's being produced. But let's beware the temptation to read this parable and say, well, the good ground are the good people and the other soils are the bad people. And because I'm a believer today, I must be a good person. Let's go back to what we already talked about this morning is that there is no one good, not even one. Church, because you believed, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, it's because he has saved you. It's because he's given you the gift. He's drawn you to himself. And that's the thing to rejoice in, to give him glory for and thank him for. But this first parable that we come to in Matthew is emblematic of what is happening among the people in the crowds. As Jesus is scattering the seeds, there are different responses to his message. But it's also a picture of what is happening in our world right now. That as seeds are being scattered, there are a variety of responses to the gospel. But this morning, I ask you, how are you responding to the gospel? How are you responding? And so I want to offer us a a few responses for us to examine our lives. And so the first response is, we need to examine the soil of our hearts. We need to examine the soil of our hearts this morning. Are you here today, and is your heart hardened? towards Jesus? Are you resistant to the idea of surrendering everything to follow after him? If that's you, I'm pleading with you this morning that you would pray to the Lord who has already said in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, that you this morning would ask, Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart that will believe. Lord, change me. And I pray this morning that you would receive the gift because it's so good. Don't remain hardened towards Jesus. Maybe this morning your heart is like the rocky ground. Maybe you made a profession of faith a long time ago, but there is no evidence of fruit in your life. Maybe you walked an aisle or you said a prayer to appease your parents or because your brothers and sisters walked down the aisle and that means I should too. But you know it didn't mean anything in your heart. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a short time and people are saying, don't follow Jesus. It's not worth it. Don't do that. And you're wondering, should I press on? Should I continue to follow after Jesus? 
Yes, keep following after him because the Lord did not promise us ease and comfort. He did promise us suffering and persecution and distress, but you know what else he promised us? He promised us joy. He promised us life. He promised us peace, hope. He promised us eternity with him. And so keep pressing on by the grace of God. And maybe this morning you're here and you find yourself in a rocky season. Things are really hard and you say, I don't know if I can keep pressing on. Hear me this morning. Keep enduring by the spirit of God and the word of God. Keep pressing on by the grace of God. Is your heart this morning full of thorns? Are you weighing the cost of Jesus against what the world has to offer you? And church, hear me this morning. Nothing the world has to offer you compares with what Jesus offers you. Nothing. A better job with a bigger paycheck will not fulfill you as Jesus can. Stray A's in all your classes will not satisfy you as much as Jesus can. A bigger house and a more extravagant vacation will not make you more joyful. No sin, no drug, no sexual relationship, no popularity, no success can compare with what Jesus can offer you in the gospel. There's life to be found in him. And so maybe this morning our response is, Lord, I need to repent and turn away from the thorns that have been creeping up in my heart. Because my affections have been, been pulled away from you, Jesus, and they are running after things in the world. And maybe we need to set those things before the cross this morning and say, Jesus, I don't want those things. I want you. And this is why it's so important that we are in relationship with one another. This is why it's important to be in a group. Because in groups, we can talk about what we're struggling with what we're going through, how we're being tempted by the things the world has to offer, and we can encourage one another, keep each other accountable, pray for one another. And so if you're not in a group, why not? Why would you not want the benefit of other believers journeying through life with you? But also this is the reason why we need the word daily. If the only time you're opening up this word is when you come here on Sunday mornings, how are you preparing to Fight against the attacks of the enemy every single day throughout the week. How are you being reminded of the good promises of God on a daily basis if you're not in his word? And so hear me. If you want to know more about a, 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 a group or how to read the Bible, come talk to me after the service. Go, go to Discover Bailey Station where a pastor would love to walk through this with you because it's so important. It's our joy to be able to plug you into a group and help you know how to read the scriptures. But also this morning, maybe some of you are here and your heart is believing. It's fertile and it is fruit producing. And you know what your response is this morning? To give thanks to the Lord. To say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for opening my eyes so that I could see. For opening my ears so that I could hear. For giving me a heart that was soft and ready to receive the gospel. Thank you for for the spirit who has come to make a home within me, who is producing the fruit of righteousness. Thank you, Lord. So let's not boast in our salvation or boast in our fruit, but say, Lord, may you receive the glory from the, the fruit of our lives. 
and keep pressing on and following after Jesus and as the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control are evidenced in our lives, may it be on display for the world around us that draws people in to want to know who Jesus is. But the second and final response to this parable today is to proclaim the gospel without reservation. To proclaim the gospel without reservation. This parable tells us, Jesus tells us, that if we are faithful to scatter the seeds, there will be people who say yes. There will be people who say, I want to follow after Jesus. And so church, I ask you this morning, who are you praying for on a daily basis? That they would have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that believes. Who can you begin praying for in your life that you know is not following after Jesus and you can pray those things, but also pray that the Lord would give you an opportunity, that he would give you boldness and he would give you wisdom so that when you're with that person, you can sow some seeds. Tell them how Jesus changed your life. Tell them the good news of the gospel. And there are opportunities abounding. Think about it. You have family, you have friends, you have neighbors, you have your waiter or your waitress, you have where you shop at on a regular basis. But also we have other local and global opportunities to sow seeds. Maybe this week you're helping at VBS and you have an opportunity to sow seeds in the hearts of elementary schoolers. There's a need and a great opportunity for, for volunteers to sow seeds in the, on our preschool hall on Sunday mornings. Maybe you want to invest in our next generation of young ones and say, I'm going to sow some seeds in our infants and ones and twos and threes and four-year-olds. Maybe it's in the student ministry with middle schoolers and high schoolers who these are confusing times. And they're wondering, how do I faithfully follow after Jesus? And you can get in there and you can sow some seeds of the gospel. Maybe it's coming with me to Wake Tech and sowing seeds on a, gospel camp, or on a, on a college campus. Or maybe it's going with Pastor Kyle downtown or around North Raleigh and sowing some seeds. Church, if we just start sowing seeds, someone's going to say yes. Maybe it's a mission trip and you want to go overseas. Or maybe it's you want to go 20 minutes down 540 to Morrisville with the church plant that Stephen Madsen's leading and you want to reach the nations in Morrisville. There are many Many, many opportunities to sow the seeds, but will we be faithful to do it? Will we be faithful to pray and to scatter seeds? And I pray that we will. Because spiritually open eyes and ears are gifts from God that lead to believing, fertile, fruit-producing hearts. And so, Bayleaf, may we be a people who bear much fruit because God has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, you are a good and faithful God. And this morning, we just want to say thank you. Because apart from your work of sending Jesus, there would be no hope for us. There would be no celebration this morning. But we can say thank you because of what you've done for us on behalf of Jesus, your son. This morning, I want you to, to ask yourselves, what is the soil of my heart?
Maybe you need to turn away from sin. Maybe you need to say yes for the first time to following after Jesus. Would you do that this morning? Would you say yes? Would you be faithful to pray for someone in your life who is not walking with the Lord? Would you be faithful to share this week when the opportunity arises? Knowing that the Lord is the giver of salvation, we just scatter the seed. Lord, whatever our response be this morning, I pray that you would receive the glory and the honor and the praise because, Lord, you are the Lord of the harvest. And we want to be found faithful. We want to be found producing much fruit by the help of the Spirit, the means of the Word, so that more and more people might know this good gift of the gospel that you have extended to us. Lord, do a work in us so that we can go and proclaim it to others. Help us to respond this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, sing, please respond. Thank you for worshiping with us. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website, bayleaf.org.